the issue with Facebook is um, that they all change the algorithms. And so your your business page won't deliver the same way. Like, you know, and sometimes they're communicating they're doing that and other times they're not. Interesting. You know what I mean? And and sometimes that's because uh, the way you have the ad set up, now it's not delivering as well. But if you went and you did, instead of that $20 ad, you go do two $10 ads and you target them specifically to men and women and do different interests, you might pull that same audience again. You might get everybody. What up, Hot breath of verse? This is your favorite host, comedian Joel Byers, and welcome to your favorite podcast, Hot Breath. <sighs> Hot Breath episode 126 is launching now. Let's get into it. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoy this interview with legitimately, this dude is one of Atlanta's most influential not only performers but also show producers and so much more you're going to learn about in this episode so thank you for your time if you found it worthwhile simply sharing it whether on your social media or just with your cubicle co-worker say hey i just heard this cool thing instead of working maybe you should check it out there's over a hundred other hot breath episodes for you to tune into as well in the backlog if this is your first time tuning in but whoever, however, whenever, I appreciate your time, and let's get to it. As there's only one thing left to do, and that is inhale a hot breath with Ian Video. Oh my gosh. Aber. Nice. It's on. We're okay. official. Cool. We're doing it. And I did... I held Let me off. take this pillow out of here, though, because it doesn't match. Your feng shui? It no, because you got to... <laughs> like, that painting was just sort of there, and we didn't really kind of color coordinate, so I don't want anyone thinking, these are gay people? This is our basement. <laughs> We're in my basement. We wouldn't let Joel... We don't let straight people on the second floor Yeah, of the I house. can tell. He's like, enough gentrification. Yeah. We don't want any... No straight people. That's funny. You had to like. We have to do set design. Anything else we should adjust before we um, start? I could just swap that painting out in general. <laughs> I'm joking. I like that. Painting. I found it on the side of the road. Did you really? I did. Where at? Like somebody was being evicted, I guess, and or just there was just a pile of stuff, like a couch, a bookcase. I got a bookcase in that painting from the same side of the road situation. Literally one oh, man's trash. Oh, yes. do you want to talk in a microphone? I should. I, I love we were just talking. Yeah. And you're like, I'm a professional. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. A microphone. yeah. And yeah. then you slowly just yeah, yeah. further and further. Well, I didn't know if we started yet. I don't know how this works. No, yeah. How long are we talking for to you, I guess, we the other started. person? Uh, maybe like 45 minutes. Okay. Are you okay with that? Yeah, I'm absolutely okay with that. I know you're a busy man. Let me um let me put my phone on silent, though, so I don't... Yeah, no... We're doing airplane mode. Very busy man, so I want to... Okay. You got a lot of cool things going on. We got to talk about them. Yeah, too many, some would say. There's Me your water, too. Oh, thank Did you. Did you say you specifically? Yeah, I, I feel like I have too much going, like too much. You quit a job and then you're like, oh, wow, yeah. too much, too yeah. soon. Well, no, I quit a job <laughs> and already had another... Like just doing show, producing shows is its own job. Uh, yeah, Being a comic sure. is its own job. Yeah, um, working for Marshall is its own job. You know what I mean? So it's <laughs> yeah, like all yeah, those yeah. things are three. So I'm now th and 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 so the the best thing about quitting my day job is that I don't worry about that job. You know what I mean? It's like that job was so 
mentally intensive and time intensive. He was like IT, right? Yeah. And, and, um, payroll and like money uh, and time and nobody laughs and enjoys <laughs> himself when they're talking about money, <laughs> right, right, ever, right. you know, <laughs> especially other people's money, I guess. I don't know. So you're happy to get rid of IT and pick up three other jobs. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's Though a- most of the other jobs are sort of IT too. Like I do a lot of website work for Marshall. Marshall has many websites. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. for his other company for Humor Wins. Right, yep. right. That's all in, like the corporate arm. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of so it's like stuff, comedy right? in corporations. So rather than corporate comedy, where c- comics go and do, you know, like an abbreviated or clean set or something yeah, in front yeah. of a corporation, Marshall's going in and like getting these people who are funny inside of the inside of the job, and then we're basically teaching those people how to do a five minute set and then they do comedy inter- like internal comedy shows. That's that awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. I did one with, I like helped with one of those on like, it was like a marketing firm. I yeah. I think is yeah. what it was. You I've get- done a few of those. And then he does the other thing where it's of uh, city's funniest professional. And it's so like, we just did Atlanta's funniest apartment professional and we're doing like Atlanta's funniest lawyer. And it's like these big, like kind of like competitions where all yeah. the, all the, all the different firms and companies sort of, uh, you know, basically pony up and compete and, uh, for bragging rights. And it's the same thing where we're basically working with these, uh, performers, um, helping them write jokes uh-huh. and getting their sets together, teaching them delivery, like in a very abbreviated time frame, like usually like a three or four sessions. Like I did the <laughs> one we did. Minutes. Yeah. The last one we did, I did three phone calls and then like one in person. And the day of, the day of the show. A one in person the day of. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. you can do this. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, no, we ran, we did a run-through on the stage and everything. Oh, was that yeah. the Fox? At the Egyptian ballroom. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, like, at, not inside the Fox Theater. Yeah, but, but like, still, still, it's like whole 600. Dude. It's not... Oh, yeah, wow. I'd never been big. in there. It's big. And it's oh like, my God. yeah, it's, it's like, I don't know if it's as big as like Variety Playhouse, but it's like that, it's like kind of that close, close to that kind of, no, it's pretty big. It's a pretty big space for sure. Any epic bombs? No, everyone Everybody did really did well. well. Everyone it's a supportive well. crowd, I yeah. guess. But it's one of those things. So you teach a common class, so right. you know the deal, which the, I don't know if you tell your students, I tell like when Marshall would teach his class and I would sit in and help, uh-huh. um, the, I would always be very frank about like, if you're not doing any of the work, if you don't do any of the work of writing jokes and all the stuff oh, you yeah. need to do outside of the class, you're going to, you're not going to notice it until the day of the day of yeah. you'll be extra nervous because you, <laughs> you'll, you'll know that you didn't do all this stuff. Dude. Like my class is eight weeks. Week one is like day one is all comedy is very hard. If you don't write, if you don't perform, <laughs> you're not going to do well. Yeah. And I've had so many people leave day one yeah. and be like, wait, is this going to be fun? Yeah. Or is this, but I, I have such an appreciation for comedy. It's like, I want there to be no delusion that in eight weeks you're going to have solved comedy. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's a well, lifelong like of the impression that you can't really teach anyone how to be funny or did you stand up comedy? Mm. Um, but you can like, if they're willing to write jokes and work on it themselves, yes. then you can coach and like, so, but they, it has to be, it all has to come from them. If they're not doing it or they're not interested, it's like, okay, well, you know, I could write you a bunch of jokes and maybe teach you to how, how to tell them the way I think they yeah. need to be told. Mm-hmm. But why would I do that? Why? What would be the yeah. point of <laughs> that? Sounds terrible. And why would anyone? 
You know, like yeah, my 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 students perform in class every week because that's how you learn is by doing it. Really. Absolutely. So we're performing in class every week, and then we'll do kind of a brainstorming session about that set and how they can yep. maybe as like a writer's room yep. format. But you, yeah, you can't just sit here and read a piece of paper. You really got to perform and be like, "How did this go?" I know, right? <laughs> but, well, I know, and but there's I think there's people who show up or they pay to take the class and they think I'm going to be taught how to mm-hmm. you know what i mean and yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. oh you know like that's you know oh well we have to unlearn that that's what we're gonna do <laughs> we're gonna reset that expectation to like that's not happening and that you know actually you know like that's the number one lesson that you teach like yeah but, but besides taking the mic out of the mic stand oh and moving it to the side you right. can't teach them anything else you know what i mean <laughs> Like they're gonna have to learn how to fuck the stool themselves when it's appropriate to fuck the stool. Like how long do you fuck the stool? You know, if the guy before you fuck the stool, do you also fuck right. the stool? Yeah. Is that now a callback? I don't know. Just <laughs> and the power confident. of threes, the next person has to go up and hump the stool. Oh, you said actually. Okay, fuck the, the power stool. of three is from charmed. The rule of three is from comedy. Let's just Oh, that. whoa. Yeah, yeah. I'm you so said the sorry. power of three. Wow, I'm which so is sorry. the Honeywell sisters. <laughs> Um, uh, from you were big, big, big charm fan. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. I was, I was more on Seventh Heaven. I don't know okay. if they ran at the same. I time. was about to ask you if you were um, uh, Team Shannon or Team uh, Rose Mc- or whatever her name is. I don't remember. Anyways, I don't remember any of that. I guess not. Shows is you that- liked Seventh Heaven with the guy who molested all those people. Whoa, the father. Is that what happened? Stephen Collins. Whoa. Oh, um, you know the name. Him. Yeah. Whoa. No, I did not know any. I didn't watch Seventh Heaven. I just remember that. I just remember the terrible factoid about the show. <laughs> Whoa. All I remember is that he got busted for. Yeah. I would also watch Everwood. Did you watch Everwood? With Chris Pratt. Chris with Pratt. Chris Pratt. Original. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With the, Fat Pratt. Is what they used fat to. Is <laughs> when he's still Fat Pratt. <laughs> Now he's hot Pratt, but he was because fat Pratt. Yeah, well, he has money now, I guess. Yeah. He can just well, he money. works out now. I, and well, also, he was a teenager then. So he really wasn't fat Pratt until like um, Parks and Rec. Yeah. Yeah. But you've, you've come a long way. If we want to get, Baby. If we get it, if we want to get back on track a little bit okay, from, I mean, fat Pratt. We could talk all day about fat Pratt. Oh, but th- I could read you some of my fan fiction about <laughs> fat Pratt if you'd like. I'm Do sorry. you write books? No. No, you don't know fan fiction, like erotic fan fiction. Oh, I'm my, my I'm Parks so and Rec erotic fan fiction is is well known. I didn't, it's I all about it's... Jerry. Um, he's the main character. I don't write any. Of I'm that. joking. I know. Okay. Zines. Sorry, go back on track. You want to get back on track? No, we don't have to. Zines, yes. It's just what the reason I wanted to sit down with you now is just yeah. because of like we referenced your your career shift. Yeah, now, you're making so many different changes in your life. So I feel like this is kind of a big. Did you say career point. or queer? I can't. Career. Career. Okay. Is there a difference between queer and gay? Um, yes, but that's not my job. Because um, I've heard, I've, when I was researching it, I heard interviews, you would like identify as like queer. And I was like, is there a difference? Um, I identify, I don't know. I identify as queer. I'm called gay more like, like straight people kind of contextually understand gay better, I think. But I identify <laughs> as queer. Yeah, yeah, because you understand what gay is, and queer is like another thing that has to be explained oh. to straight people. No, um, but yeah, I identify <laughs> as both, really. I identify as queer in the sense that queer is like um, more inclusive. Uh, like, I'm not, uh, you know, when, like, I say queer a lot of times instead of LGBTQIA um, because that okay. seems like a mouthful. And that also requires another explanation, um, you know, in terms of like what do all those letters mean, kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. queer is a little bit more inclusive, um, but also it kind of, uh, uh, denotes like for me I always identified as queer growing up uh, because I was also sort of weird 
in the context of gay culture. So like inside of the gay community, I'm also sort of like not necessarily like have always fit in either. Um, not that I tried very hard, but you know what I'm saying? So it's like fit in. Well, what? like you, you like gay people have their own little cliques and stereotypes and subculture inside of, uh, our communities. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. I, I didn't know. I don't, I didn't have you know. never thought of gay people as whole and complete people that have their own little society? I'm just, no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gentrification. Yeah. Oh, now. No, just like their own know. hierarchies and, you know, A gay, A list gays, B list gays, all that stuff, you know. Um, I honestly have. And, and I, you know, would be more of like a not on the list kind of. <laughs> what was interesting is when I interviewed Miss Pat on here, yeah. she would talk about as a black woman growing up, she was afraid of straight people or afraid of white people. Yeah. And you feel the same way or you did about straight people. Well, like, yeah, there's just, well, first of all, there's just so many straight people. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. when you really stop and think about it, it like becomes overwhelming. Like, if you just think about all of the straight people just breathing, like all at once, you know what I mean? <laughs> you call your podcast podcast hot breath. Yeah. Like, just imagine the hot breath of seven billion straight people just breathing on your little gay ass. Like, just like <laughs> why? You know, like yikes. Um, but yeah, so I kind of I always felt like that. You know, especially in the '90s, being gay. That it was sort of, it was still frowned upon and, and like, you know, you get fired from a job, not necessarily like for being mm. gay, but that didn't help you career wise. And um, uh, so, yeah, I think for a while I had, a you know, most of my friends were gay and, and I really only went to gay places and hung out with gay people and spent my money at gay businesses and um, comedy really forced me to get out of that bubble. Really? Uh, yeah, because there's no, there's yeah. no comedy, like you have to like if you want to be any good at comedy you have to court the whole audience in my opinion you know what i'm saying it's like mm-hmm. and in atlanta if you want to get good you're gonna to have to go do open marks open mics and straight bars yeah you know you have to I mean, everywhere no, yeah absolutely everywhere. and in the exactly. cockpit you know you yeah, got the cockpit too you know read the, the cockpit and the hideaway and yeah the jungle and the buzz all of those shows failed and um <laughs> and and sort of ruined a couple of those businesses <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I i i found a, i found my niche of getting in with a with a business uh, right when they were about to close or switch or mm. um, change their lease so they couldn't have the room that we did. <laughs> so but that's the timing, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, and that's all Absolutely. learning because yeah. now you run successful shows. Absolutely. So you and you know what was interesting was is that I think that the where I wasn't successful in the beginning was because I was trying to run gay shows and gay rooms for gay people. Huh. And it really was like, okay, well, I'm chasing this niche market that I don't even know whether it exists or not in spaces that don't believe comedy is a viable entertainment. You know, so it's like, it was and the minute I shifted to like, okay, well, I'm just going to do a show in a regular venue to, to whatever audience wants to come to it. The minute I started doing that, I saw a difference. And and gay people come to those shows. So it's not like I'm not getting a gay, pulling a queer crowd or gay crowd or whatever it is. Um, they're still coming. You know, it's just like, but I'm marketing it to just comedy fans. You know? Being you're bringing everybody to a destination. Absolutely. As absolutely. opposed to trying to bring some people to a specific destination. Yeah, exactly. Like Cockpit was like an exercise in trying to do all queer, like mostly queer comics in front of a queer audience with some straight comics mixed in. Yeah. And it just never clicked. Like it was fun sometimes, you know, it was just on, I think this is the only show of yours I've actually been booked on, but I think it was like, it was just like a a huge like stage in the end of this bar. Yeah. It was like, it was a cabinet that we turned on its side (laughs) or a closet. If you will. Absolutely. (laughs) 
So we weren't using it for as a closet, so we just turned it on. But it was a big, giant wooden box. Yeah, that you'd have to like that. Jay Ward would bring his own steps to because he had a hard time getting up and on, off and on it. Um, and originally, they would every time that we would do the show, one of the patrons would bring the steps from their hot tub. Oh, yeah! Until they decided they didn't like the show anymore, and they just stopped bringing their. Steps. <laughs> so they'd still come, but they wouldn't bring their steps anymore. They're like that was too much of a hassle for them. And, what are I mean? You know, producing a show, like you said, in itself is a full-time job. There are definitely do's and don'ts, and I think a lot of details people overlook. You know, I've I've been hosting my show almost seven years, and I can tell a difference even just in pre-show setup and making sure all the chairs are facing towards the stage and making sure there's maybe some ambient music going on pre-show. What are are some of the, the tips and tricks maybe you've learned from just producing so many shows? Um, <laughs> I probably, one of the tips is I would pay more attention to that than I do. Cause sometimes like, that's my big miss is that I don't care what, the, what music's on before the show. And I should. Oh, and mine you know? rarely has music going on before. Yeah. Cause I'm rarely there. Yeah. Yeah. But I went through a phase where I committed to it and it worked. <laughs> um, I think that before the show, usually regardless of how the show is going to go, um, uh, to like calm down, you know what I'm saying? Like hmm. I'm real bad about being like very frenzied before a show starts because, and I've tried to get better about this because I've like you said, I run several shows and like, so to be that way, like, you know, <laughs> like twice or three times a week, it's just <laughs> yeah. not working. You know what I mean? Totally. So, but I would, I would get very like, you know, um, I don't know if every comic feels like this, but I definitely do. Cause I've, I've had a birthday party where nobody showed up to the birthday party. Um, cause it was my parents forgot to invite anybody, but it, you know, it wasn't, it was like one of those, like very, they threw me a birthday party very last minute and nobody showed up, but I took it very much like, and nobody likes me. Yeah. Oh, was this and it's long? like, no, my parents are just like bad planners and my oh, birthday's okay. two days after Christmas. And, um, but since I've had that experience, every time I, th- have a show the fear is is that no one's going to show up just like that fucking birthday you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. so every show is a birthday party that you can your entire peer group can reject you you know what i'm saying and it's not even like because like really what i want is the real audience not other comics Mm -hmm. so the audience is like people i don't even know so i don't you know what i mean but yeah so like for me the like kind of being cool with however the show turns out you know like we just we just started a new show at argosy um, on the last Sunday of the month called The Weekender. And it's like an early evening show. Huh. And the first one, we had five people show up, um, which is not what we're doing with Date Night. Like Date Night, it's like we're, we're routinely, routinely filling that room or selling it out um, for that second Tuesday of the month show. Date Night, we'll check out Date Night. Hey. Um, but uh, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, but being okay with that first one not being all right and not being, you know, it's like the second one, we had like 23 people show up. So like, oh. you know, we just it's going to build, but like the first one, not being great. Doesn't matter. What'd you do differently? Uh, spent more money on marketing and posters and, Oh yeah. So you marketed it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I marketed the first show, but because it's a Sunday, 7 PM early evening show, that's a harder sell. So you need to reach your marketing needs to reach a, deeper you know you need to get you have to hit a wider net in order to get those people because there's people out there that want to do something on sunday evening um but there's less of those people you know how do you saying? find them uh more money better niche marketing you know like i'm just like, toying with the target i use almost exclusively facebook oh okay. yeah, so yeah. facebook is your facebook primarily. events listings and posters posters last resort because i don't think posters work as well as everyone's <laughs> <laughs> it's more of just like a like a hat on top or something. Like Every time I look at top. like a board at like a coffee shop, 
there's so much shit on it, it gives me a panic attack. So I can't imagine. <laughs> like, I see, I'm just like, there's too many anxiety. events. <laughs> so many people. Um, uh, um, uh, so I don't know, like, I don't know how anything stands out. You know what I'm saying? Like, who's who's looking at the board going, hey, I'm going to go to this. So what do you mean by events lists? Um, like Access Atlanta and um, okay. Creative Loafing. And of course, I, <laughs> I, I now own ATL To Do. So it's an right. events listing site. Mm-hmm. Um, ATL To Do to the degree that I'm going to promote my own stuff on it, which is not, that's not the focus of that at all. But, but yeah, like uh, Access Atlanta, Creative Loafing, um, any of the other sites that there are, there's a bunch of them. You can just submit events to Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I always make sure to submit to Access Atlanta and Creative Loafing because every once in a while you'll get picked up as one of the, Maybe they'll do like a list of five things to do that day. Okay. And if your event's in there and approved, sometimes it'll be the one that, that gets picked out and, you know, you'll end up with like a bump in your sales and, you know, attendance. And, all and you can see a, yeah, you can see a bump even with like Facebook. You get like a very direct. I think so. We it. do a lot of asking, where did you hear about it? And most okay. of the people are either saying Facebook or friend. Cause we, I do a lot of like, Tell your friends. Mm-hmm. I always say, tell your friends or tell your really cool enemies. Like, either <laughs> one's fine. Because I don't know your situation. You know what I mean? And like, these are paid. You do paid Facebook ads. Like, you've got to really you have to. invest you can't, to get that Yeah. You, you, I, in my opinion, I, like, there's a lot of discussion about, like, how long, like, Facebook going away and all the stuff about the, you know, how they're selling our data and using our data and all that kind of stuff. But in the interim, I don't know what's going to replace it. So, it's like, Facebook has been successful. But the, the issue with Facebook is... Um, that they all change the algorithms. And so your your business page won't deliver the same way. Like, you know, and sometimes they're communicating they're doing that and other times they're not. So it's like, sometimes you hear, oh yeah, the algorithm changed through word of mouth. Right. But you never, very rarely do, are they sending you an email saying, hey, you remember that ad? You remember how you, you got 20, uh, you used 20 bucks and you sold out that show? Well, now it's going to cost you 35 bucks. Interesting. You know what I mean? And, and sometimes that's because, uh, the way you have the ad set up now, it's not delivering as well. But if you went and you did instead of that twenty dollar ad, you go do two ten dollar ads, and you target them specifically to men and women and do different interests. You might pull that same audience again. You might get everybody. I've done a lot of that where I split it up by gender, split it by by age range. Sometimes I do the ads together just to see which ones deliver better. Okay. So I'll do a five dollar ad that's to everybody and a five dollar ad to men and to women. And sometimes those ads that are good to men and women deliver way better and use the budget up faster than the ones that go to to and I don't know if any of that's like sciencey, because like I read up on it and there's really no there's not really a, a great um like a lot of the resources out there when you go to read about it are like, you know, from 2004 or 2012, totally. some article that you have no idea whether that's how many times have they changed it since then. You right. Know I mean? Yeah. yeah. So I, I just, ex- I just experiment with it a lot. I have a lot of, I've, I have an advertising and market research background. So that's why I kind of look at it that way. It's like, how do you, how do you, how do you do micro ads to mm. hit? So like maybe my ad will only be served to a hundred people, but if it's the hundred people I actually need it served to, then I stand a way better chance of getting a handful of those to come than to serve my ad to 500 people that who knows who they are and whether they're even going to pay attention and that they're looking for comedy. And yeah. So the more specific, the better in terms of like targeting, you'll go all the way to like, I think for like cheap ads for like little ads. I think so. Okay. Yeah. 
Case. And then, like, if you're trying to just do a broad net, you want everybody in zip code X, or you want everybody within 25 miles in Atlanta, sure, do that and spend a bunch of money. And maybe you're, <laughs> maybe the people who want need to see it will see it, you know? But Argosy's in uh, East Atlanta. So you'll Argosy. do... Or Argosy. I'm yep. so sorry. I just yep. haven't been there in so long. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's because I don't book him on any of my shows. <laughs> He's not the only one. No, I'm it's, joking. It's really everyone. You were on recently, not well, within the last few months, and then you had to go first. So, I'm just saying. Okay. I was on one of your many shows recently. Well, recently and enough. And I had to go first. You had to go first because you had to be somewhere else. Months is a very broad but it's fun. term. It was a great show. I, I mean, I can we can literally get my calendar out and I can book you on some stuff on the podcast. <laughs> if that's what you want, Joel, no. if that's what you want, we'll do that. I'll do it. We can. I'm no, just kidding. That's, that's how I like I opened. Like I never get booked at the clubs and that's how I opened up with like Jamie Bindle at Punchline. Yeah. I was like, so you never book me. <laughs> Ever. Well, does he book anybody though? Or does yeah, Marcy not, book everybody? It's, it's Yeah. It's that's not, like going to Marshall uh, who owns Laughing Skull and saying, yeah. you don't book me. And it's like, well, Andrew books everybody. So yeah. yeah. He, and Marshall didn't book you. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he literally hired someone else to do that. You know yeah, what I mean? He hired someone to not book you or whatever. You know what I'm saying? But, but it's but, as a comedian yeah. in your head it's everyone against you and if, oh, absolutely. if you're not on one show at that place you're like oh well, nobody likes me i know but what else that i gave that up a while ago because that's yeah. such that's like the most self-defeating monologue or narrative that that mm. comedians fall into is the and i and i was just doing this recently where i was looking at all, like all these shows and i didn't know who booked them and and, and i looked at everybody who was on them and i was like oh, i want to be on that show but i looked at it like okay well yeah and I know that there's people who look at all my shows and think the same thing. So I can't be too, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, uh, if, if I'm not thinking that somebody else is going to be thinking that, that kind of like, but yeah, yeah. It's really hard to like, you know, like basically it's like, you want to be able to be on every show and every, you want to spot on every show <laughs> across all space and time, <laughs> you know, and then maybe you'll be satisfied. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's the only way. Cause if you really think about it, why am I not on every show? Why am I not, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, um, but yeah, yeah. It people, is, people do like the less personal people take it, the easier I think it is to continue to get those no's or to be overlooked or not included. Yeah, because eventually they'll get to you if it's a good show and they have an audience. They're gonna want to put as many comics in front of the audience as possible. Mm -hmm. So, like, where you fit in the rotation, who knows? But if you're good, then they're gonna want to put you up. And it comes down to yeah. focusing on what like what you are in control of yeah. as well and i'm also i book a lot of people who, they book book who i see and who i think is funny Ooh, and where you know and i don't necessarily hit every mic every night but i'm out enough where i'm seeing people and like when i see and i and, and i have a, a show sweet baby cheeses that i do like every couple yeah, months the grilled cheese one. that's specifically to put up people that i haven't seen in front of big audiences just to see how they do and, huh. and then retape it and they get a tape you know, so it's like sometimes for newer comics, that might be the first good audience they get in front of and they're going to get their set. Yeah. And my husband's going to make them a grilled cheese sandwich. So, I mean, <laughs> I can't ask for more. I mean, yeah. So I don't know. But, um, but yeah, yeah, I, I understand. I understand that. I, I, I feel that way. And I felt that way a lot when I first started that I wasn't getting booked and I took it personally like, Oh, it's because I'm gay. I'm not getting booked. Oh, you went you know all the saying? way. Well, because there wasn't a lot of gay comics, and right. and none of them were getting booked on any. Like so, when I first started, it was like Julie Osborne, Brent Starr, me, and like Andrew had maybe had Markle had just moved to town, mm -hmm. and like we all weren't 
getting booked on those things. So it's like, you know, none of us were really in the rotation. And then like slowly but surely, like I started getting in the rotation. Andrew would get in the rotation. A couple other comics were around who may mm-hmm. not be around anymore. Would You know what I'm saying? And it's like, and it, it slowly became like very common that there would be a queer person on the show. Is there? And I don't think that's Wakanda? the way it was when I started. A queer Wakanda? <laughs> yeah, I think it's called Lawanda. Oh, Lawanda Page. Like Lawanda Page. Her. Yeah, exactly. You grew up watching her. Yeah, yeah. Lawanda Forever. Yeah. <laughs> That's the gay version of Wakanda Forever. It's Lawanda Forever. All the way in Myrtle Beach. Yeah, I love... You know that uh, Lawanda Page is the first community I ever saw? Oh, really? Yeah, so we lived in Guam. My dad was in the Air Force. Oh, okay. And they, she came to Guam, and because she was on Sanford and Son, I, and somebody was an idiot, they thought that she was like a a family appropriate comedian and they had a day they had a day show and a night show and the day show kids could come to my parents took me and um I, I don't remember how it all worked out because there was somebody who did something before her um and then when they introduced her like the first thing she said was why are there so many fucking kids here or whatever and then she just <laughs> did her regular act which was filthy and my parents had already had a couple of drinks so they were like they couldn't go anywhere they were you know we were just there to watch the whole thing now um and how old were you like six or seven like or eight six. i was young like first yeah. second grade um and that was all like that was it that was to me like the height of that was comedy yeah absolutely and, and i'd already known that that was comedy because i'd been watching sanford and son that whole time too uh-huh. and i used to get in trouble for imitating um fred sanford i would like get up to my mom so whatever my whatever he would say to lawana page's uh-huh. character on esther i would go up to my mom and say that stuff after the show and she'd, like <laughs> i remember being grounded from watching um, Sanford and Son. That was like a thing in my house. Is you can't watch the Sanfords. But seeing her, you're like, oh, I want to be a comedian now. And go no, not even. I didn't think about. Okay. Well, like because I knew I was gay. I didn't think you could be gay and be a comedian. There was none of that. Really? Yeah, I just didn't see it as a. I saw gay people being funny in like small wow. things, like in like Uncle Arthur on Bewitched and the gay, the gay. Well, they never say he's gay, but the clearly gay guy in the movie Airplane. The mm-hmm. one who's like, you know, like there's a character in there who's just like, he's just basically mincing it up the whole time. Um, and I just didn't think you could be, yeah, I just didn't think you could be a comedian. You could, I didn't think that was a thing you could do. You could do that like in a niche, but not for real. But at, the, at when you're 11, you do the talent show. Yes. Where you're God, opening. I you remember joke. all those stories. That's so funny. <laughs> um, yeah, I did do, stand, I did try to do stand up at a, um, like, it was like f- the summer between fourth grade and fifth grade. We had moved to Myrtle Beach, or maybe fifth grade and sixth grade. We moved to Myrtle Beach. And I did like the talent show at the Holiday Inn and Surfside Beach. They do like a Saturday night, like as the sunset kind of talent show, because they had like a party band and outdoor bar and all that stuff. And I, I didn't know any jokes. All the jokes I knew were from the Truly Tasteless Joke Book. Uh, Blanche Knotts, whatever. It was like those terrible. There's like you all, read a bunch of those. Yeah. Well, uh-huh. my dad had my dad had like Playboys and Penthouses and the Truly Chaseless Joke books. <laughs> so I had no interest in the Playboys and Penthouses, and I was like, I just read those books and like memorized all the gay jokes and the women jokes, and I just thought they were so funny. Um, and uh, and so I told like I told like a couple like like schoolyard jokes like what's um, green and slimy and smells like bacon. Kermit's finger, like that kind of, you know, uh, I told a few of those uh-huh. and it got a good reaction. So then I decided to tell a joke from the Truly Chase's Joke Book and it was, um, how can you tell if your roommate is gay? His dick tastes like shit. <laughs> and like, it was at 11, like 1983 maybe or something. <laughs> and like, they, like, it just was like, the reaction was like, oh, 
like you know, like a woman screamed, and, I'm, <laughs> and then some like redneck at the bar um, screamed, "Get your AIDS off the stage, faggot!" And then the whole Whoa. crowd, the whole crowd started laughing. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so that felt good. Um, and then the woman who was like the lead singer of the party band that was playing all day, she was the host of the thing. And she had some, she had some big titties and she, I, she came up to me like after I said that to kind of like clap me out and yelled at the guy or whatever. But what she did was she took her, um, took my head and kind of pressed it under her titties, like kind of like this. And I don't, I still don't never understand exactly what she was. Doing. I think it was like, kind of like, a, no, you see, he's like Is a straight boy. Nursing you. Um, but um, I had the microphone in my hand. So all you heard was, Oh, like, <laughs> so it was like me crying, but also like her, her, um, <laughs> her breasts were just like greasy with like coconut oil or whatever, mm. or whatever it was, baby oil, whatever it was she had on. So like the whole experience for me was like, and she smelled like menthol cigarettes. So like the whole experience for me was like, I was just revolted, not at her being female, just like, just, you know, I had just been called a fag and all that stuff. Um, were you out But yet? it sounded, no, it was I was in fourth grade. I'm learning, yeah. man. I don't yeah. know. You're telling me Are there's you this out whole, yet? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I know you have a wife. Classic cover, Isn't um, that the old school. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm a minimalist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I wasn't. And uh, but so yeah, so that whole thing that was like kind of like, oh yeah, I'll never do stand up again. I guess maybe not that like, I made the conscious decision, mm-hmm. but then it was like not even something I would consider in any capacity. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. And people are always telling me I'm funny, like all constantly, you know, or that I'm irritating. Like I'm either it's either <laughs> hilarious or like oh, you know, fucking can you please? And I, I don't mean to sound like ignorant or whatever, but even about. The, but you're a straight the, person, so you can't help yourself. I really just don't. And you talking about how you were scared of straight people, and that connected me to when I interviewed Miss Pat, and she was scared of white people. And now you're talking about you don't think of gay people as a social hierarchy in this own almost society. And I, I'm honestly not in that world, so I don't yeah. understand, like, I guess the identity. I don't know yeah, the yeah. perspective. So it's interesting to hear about. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. I'm not trying to objectify or... Be, no, no. Tell I, me, I'm. Oh no, 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 not at all. Yeah. I understand. I understand. Okay. Um, and yeah, that's fine. And 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 those questions are you know all appropriate and and whatever. But then sometimes I'm like surprised at how little. Like I forget sometimes how little. Like I, there's there are times where I mean I can't believe. It. So it's like 2018. I've been doing this comedy for six years. Yeah. So between 2018 and 2012 or 2011 or 2012, um, I've had multiple times, like more than I can count people come up to me after a show in some small fucking Southern town and say, I am the first gay person that they've ever met, which I'm like, how is that possible? Uh. And man, when you meet another gay person, you're going to be so excited because I'm not the, like, I'm like the most <laughs> basic ass gay person. You know what I mean? Like when you meet like a, like a really, really put together queen, you're going to be like, man, that other one, God, I got a lemon. The first one I met was a dud, you know, like I always feel bad when I'm the first gay person somebody meets them. I was like, like, we're much cuter. Like, you know what I mean? Aww. Like, you just wait, honey. Um, you know, what I mean? like I'm not a queer eye. Like, I'm not a. I, I'm not getting four of my friends together to help a straight person do fucking shit. Okay, mm. I'm actually more of a like. Can I get 19 straight people to come help me move or something? You know? like, I don't know, but yeah, yeah, no, but but it is. That's what it is. And so sometimes I forget that they're that straight people just don't fucking they just don't know. Y'all weren't taught nothing about us in school. 
You know, like uh, you were taught a bunch of shit about black people that was inaccurate. Like that's how I felt growing up, right? You know, they teach you like, oh yeah, you know, oh civil rights, so that's over. Everybody's happy now. You know, like exactly, yeah. yeah. And I think with gay people, like especially like anybody who's like over thirty. You weren't taught anything about gay people in school in any capacity. So there's no normalization. Even the existence, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, if you heard about us at all, it was in church and in popular culture. And so, like, in popular culture, it's like we're either the butt of the joke or the murderer. If You know, like, for a long time, that was the case. I think now it's a mm. lot, like, it's better, you know, like, representation-wise. <laughs> Um, though I just saw, I don't know if you have you heard of the movie Love Simon. So this this movie just came out, uh-huh. and it's supposed to be revolutionary because it's just like it's like a gay love story in high school, but like nobody oh. goes, oh, it's a big deal that they're gay. Uh-huh. Um, but then the guy that they cast as the lead is straight. And I'm like, well, how revolutionary is that? I mean, interesting. Like, we already have that. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like, no, no, but you don't get it. It's like, it's so revolutionary. And then like, I watched an interview with him and he was like, yeah, you know, even though I'm straight, I've learned a lot about, you know, my brother's gay. And I'm like, all right. Oh, wow. Not the, my gay brother, you know? Like, right, 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 right. Yeah. I, I heard um, what the, the Jim Carrey movie that he did with you and McGregor. Oh, I love you, Philip Morris. Yeah. Where he was, well, no, that, is that is that all of you, Philip Morris? Yeah, I think so. I think that he was talking about an interview on Fallon. Yeah, did, have you seen the interview where he was like on a treadmill the whole uh, time doing the interview? No. He was talking about how they both went straight method. Yeah, and they were like going to gay clubs and like having like yeah. group gay sex and all this like while they were filming it. Okay, and he was just talking about how yeah the adjustment was a little. A little different coming out of that, but boy, we had a good time. <laughs> it's just being able to like go into the world. It's it seems like there is kind of this almost. I mean, I guess like like black people in a sense because I, I look at you. Well, your mom's Chilean, but I, she I, is. She pretty much is like this this white dude with a beard. But it's I guess I'm stereotyping. I'm so well, sorry, I'm man. Like white, I guess white Latina or whatever it is. But yeah, I mean, she's like you know. She's a Hispanic, you know, Latino. But I, just, I, I, I don't know how to. I'm not like, the only one, I guess. To f- oh, yeah, just, yeah, absolutely. Just Unless ignorant. I say something, nobody's going to even notice. You know yeah, like. I, I have had people meet my mom and then be like, why does your mom, did you, why does your mom have a Spanish accent? I'm like, because she's from South America. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking. But you maybe know? speaking on. Oh, you've never told me you were. And I've had that happen, too, where some people, when I've had people, not not as recently. This was some way more in the past. And also, like, uh, when, like, living in, like, Texas and South Carolina, where people were oh, like, you, you know what? You didn't tell me you were, so, you know what? And, and, and like, <laughs> what? like, what is it? Well, I'm not anything. I was born in Louisiana. My mother's from Chile. And they're like, yeah, well, you never told us that you were part whatever. And I'm like, whatever. I mean, what do you, t- you know what I mean? Like, wow. I had a couple of those where it was like, really? Okay. But. So racial and sexual orientation have both been like an identity thing for you. Yeah, race less so. I I never, I just saw that as more like, you know, I was raised in a house where I was told that Americans are just generally dumber than the rest of the world. (laughs) And so, yeah, so like everyone else is surprised at where we are now. And like, you know, that's sort of been the kind of like the narrative in my house has always been, you know, kind of like, you know. Uh, Americans don't know how that good they have it. So, like, what's happening in our country is something that happened in Chile. You know, like huh. as far as like you know, like a, a populist movement. That's really what you know. Trump is in a lot of ways is like this, you know, crazy kind of reaction to the slight bit of progress of having a black president <laughs> is Donald Trump. Um, you know, like, so what happened in Chile imagine after. what would happen if we had a gay president. Like, could you imagine what they'd have to come up with? There's still to, time to counterbalance oh, to that. Counter that. Yeah. Like, I mean, could you, like what's worse than Donald? Well, Mike Pence, but yeah, it's true. Yeah. What happened in Chile after 
Well, Chile. I mean, I don't know if I can speak to all of the uh, just, politics. But there was headed, a Ian? there was a communist revolution in Chile that then was replaced by like a fascist dictator that was supported by the United States. So, mm. and if you want to know more about that, read a book. Um, yeah, I don't Google know. that Either. shit. Google uh, just go to the Wikipedia page on Chile. It's all there. Um, but yeah, so that all was happening in the time frame that my mother was leaving that country, and there was a while where my grandparents had to leave the country and weren't allowed back in for quite a while. And um, yeah, so but um, what was happening in that country was is that uh, you know it was it was basically like a, a continuing divide between the really really rich and the really really mm-hmm. poor, and the really really rich became completely out of touch with what was going on, you know, and that was what leads to revolutions. So, so we're in the middle of a revolution right now. You um, well, I mean, I can't say that for sure, but I can definitely say that like what my what I've learned, what I heard growing up was kind of like this idea that that Americans aren't as smart as they think they are. Um, and I've never seen evidence to prove the contrary. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So I think the, the, I grew up in that worldview of like, you know, like, uh, I've had, have you ever, have you ever left the country? Have you ever traveled? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So have you ever been surprised at the reaction you get when you tell someone you're an American and they aren't as happy about, uh, or excited <laughs> about it? As, that's sort of been in my house. That was in my house. Not necessarily to that level, but yeah. like, don't be surprised if people aren't excited that you're an American, you know, like. Always. That was always there, you know. Have you thought about talking about this on stage? That perspective? Um, not necessarily. I usually stick to things that are funny. <laughs> so, but, I mean, you have a, you seem to have a lot to pull from yeah, beyond well, just more of the surface, yeah. you know, and I don't know. perspective. And- I f- not necessarily. I, I honestly never. Are you nervous? You're flipping the pillow over there. No, no. Are you okay yeah, well, no, I'm trying to think in terms of like, have oh, I okay. ever written a joke about it or talked about any of that? Um, not really, because like, it was also like, you know, all of that sort of like being delivered by my mother to a child. So I'm mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, like approximating what she was saying. And I don't know if I have access. Like, so some things I talk about being little, it's cause I have full access to the memory and I can remember oh, everything about it. And so right. like, maybe by talking about this here, maybe I will think about that. But like, I just never, like, this is the first time I probably articulated that that's sort of something that was going on in my parents' house. It's um, very unique yeah. and insightful. I mean, my dad wasn't that my, my dad was much more like, you know, your mother doesn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> so, <laughs> clearly that didn't stick. No, cause she like, yeah, I didn't, I just always thought she was smarter. Did you have a good relationship with your dad? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was all good. Yeah, yeah. But he's like, I always viewed my mom as sort of like, you know, uh-huh. the smart one. <laughs> <laughs> just in my opinion, you know, like, I mean, you definitely get, personal. they're both very smart, but like you, my mom, I was like her attitudes about things are usually like, okay. It's sound based on what you're talking about today. It sounds accurate too. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and coming from like an honest place. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And absolutely. your comedy is, you do get personal on stage. For so it's sure. not like you're For already, sure. you've said things really this, the story you have about the sugar. Mm-hmm. I remember the, like the first time I heard you say that was a while ago. And it, that, that, I've been working on that joke for, and a lot of my jokes are like that, that I've been rewriting them over years and years and years. You know? yeah, how, when, how long ago, the incident is you got, you got caught by your husband eating, like in the middle of the night, eating. Mm-hmm. I'm a, a night eater. I'm a night grazer. And, uh, and, uh, yeah. Inc- even just to so say this that is probably stage, like dude, 2013, that probably happened like in 2013 or 2014, Wow, which is ruining the joke. Don't remember any of this if you could. <laughs> So, you know what it's I mean? It's insight into the process. It happened though. just the other day, last week. Yeah, of course. Earlier, the earlier other day. today. Yeah. It happened earlier today. <laughs> On my you, way here. Before you got here, Joel, <laughs> actually. No, but the but all of that's like, 
it's not true in the sense that like beat by beat, word by word, everything that was said, but that sort of like that moment of, you know, like what the fuck are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, and then me realizing how bad what I was doing, you know, cause it's like, you know, I, I do, I am like a compulsive, like I love to eat, you know, like, like, mm. I, I, you know, I love, I loved nothing more than to get set up in a situation where I'm on a diet. And then I said, yeah, yeah, where I've just set up in the situation, which basically I should say, I've decided to go on a diet. I should say it that way. Take more ownership, set up in the situation of, yeah, that sounds weird, doesn't it? Uh, Wow. Okay. Um, But, but that I say, oh, I'm on a diet. I'm not eating any blah, 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 blah. And then I'm like on the way to the convenience store. So like, if I go to meet you for dinner, I'm going to eat a dinner before I see. Uh (laughs) And I don't know where it comes from or why I do it, but I've been doing it all my life. And um, so like talking about that on stage, it doesn't necessarily make me do it less, but it's like, it's kind of been good for me in a way because it's like, you know, other people do that, you know, and maybe not mm-hmm. to the degree that I do it, but it's like uh, food as a drug or food as a consoler or as a treat or a, um, you know, it's like, oh, good things happen. Let's eat. Bad things happen. Let's eat. Yeah. And I'm very much that way. You know, it's like, and so by talking about it on stage has really helped me even just kind of see it as, you know, that's, that's, that's what I'm doing. That's my pattern. And so like, I lost like 90 pounds since you've known me and gained gained it back. What did you do to lose it? Um, I changed everything about how I eat and exercise and I exercised and ate well and all that. And then stopped doing it. And, just <laughs> and then comedy and shows and, you know, like slowly stop doing all that. And so now I'm schedule. kind of getting back into that, like trying to get it. And, and really what I did was I, I, we did like keto and, and Adkins and kind of paleo sort of like shifting between those diets for quite a long time. And then the reaction is, you know, you get sick of that and you go to the next thing. Not sustainable. And not sustainable. Yeah. And, 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 uh, in all honesty, I, I don't know how you lose weight without cooking your own food, like making your own, and preparing your own food. Yeah. And and so like the last year has really been us eating out and, um, you know, not not taking that time to you know source and prepare your own meals. And that's the thing about food addiction is like you can you could be on heroin. Yeah. But there's not heroin at every stoplight. Yeah. You know, but yeah. there's food everywhere yeah. you look well i get like anxious when i go to the grocery store because like i'm like oh god you know i'm gonna buy something bad uh-huh. and then i buy a bunch of good shit whatever it is i'm supposed to be like say whatever i say i'm supposed to be eating at that time whatever dumb diet i've decided i'm doing that week um and then i get home and i'm like oh my god i'm not gonna eat any of this stuff because it's like you know this is all good for me and i know it's all gonna rot and i'm gonna throw it out and so there's anxiety mm. all the way around it um and then if i stick to the diet for a few days then I've like, oh, you know, I've got this down. It's okay. I can have a pizza. You know what I mean? Like I, every uh-huh. at every turn, I'm trying to like sabotage at yeah. every turn. Um, so uh, to talk about that on stage and to make it funny in any capacity, it's incredible. Is fun, um, but also I, my favorite thing about a joke like that is I'm really big on. I love in in any story I tell to be the asshole. I love like okay. in, if 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 pain if there's a story about pain and I and I'm gonna tell it. If it doesn't work, if I'm like, you know, oh, my husband, what a dick, you know, I hate that kind of like. So when when a comic is talking about their girlfriend or their ex girlfriend, nothing makes me madder than it being one sided. 
where it's because that person's not there. So if they're telling the story and they're the dick, I'll listen to that shit all day long because okay. they're the asshole. They're the dummy. They're the they're they're, they're, the they're telling me about something. Uh-huh. They're telling me about themselves. You know what I'm saying? But if the story is, oh yeah, my ex girlfriend, what a bitch, she wouldn't suck my dick, blah blah blah, blah. Um, or my wife when it's like the person they're actively with and they're just mm. back 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 back. I'm always in the back whispering to at least one person. God, she sounds like a fucking bitch. You know what I mean? Like almost like taking it further than they take it just in one sentence. Because that's what it is. It's like those kind of jokes just don't. I just don't do it for you. You don't connect. Well, because it feels like you're telling on your uh, your SO or your significant other, or whatever it is, and in a way that doesn't involve you. It's like when somebody gets on stage and it's like, my friend, man, my friend, what a fuck up. Let me tell you about my friend. And then that my friend, guy over there that, that time. Yeah, and it's, it's like, gotta be now. Yeah, well, no, but it's or also like, personal. tell me a story about you. Don't tell me a story mm-hmm. about your friend. Yeah. Because your friend should be here telling me his story. I'd be way more interested in hearing that. And a lot of people don't have a problem with that kind of comedy. And I don't know that they have a problem with it, but it's like, that's what I find the least interesting on stage. I, the, the things I find the least interesting are, um, you know, my significant other or the person I just broke up with. Let me, let me grind some axes with this, these jokes. I, nothing makes me feel like, oh, you know, that poor person, you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, and then the other one is the fucking, you know, like, let me tell you this, th- you know, my friend, my friend is crazy. My friend, you know, banged a bunch of strippers. Let me tell you all about it. I'm just like, what did you do? What were you doing that whole time? You know what I mean? Like, how just- quickly will you translate it into material? Like if you're, if you're getting, and maybe, maybe you could take us down. Cause I like to dive into jokes and kind of how they develop. And maybe okay. this, the joke of you getting caught eating out of the sugar bag and then your husband paying, catching you. Is that what actually happened? Or are you then, I'm eating out of a sugar bag how can I heighten this for humor? Uh, yeah, he, <laughs> there was sugar everywhere. Um, so he didn't, uh, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, he caught me like kind of putting the bag back in. So maybe gotcha. not, not to the degree that I describe it. Uh-huh. Um, and it was pretty soon afterwards because he called me night sugar, which is sort of the, one of the punchlines of that joke, mm-hmm. um, which is what I call that joke too. That, that you know how jokes have names. Right, right, right. Most of my, most of my jokes are named their punchlines. So my <laughs> album would be terrible. My <laughs> album is just nothing but ruining every, like every joke is the punchline. Um, but, uh, but that joke specifically, he started calling me night sugar and then he, ch- I think he might've changed my phone. Like, I don't know if you can see it, but my phone is named night sugar. Oh, that's hilarious. So he had changed the name of something. And yeah, I don't know if you can see it, but it shows up like on on uh, Bluetooth. As oh, Night and Sugar. like airport or yeah, um, yeah, there you go. Night Sugar. Night Sugar. Um, so him so calling romantic. me Night Sugar and saying Night Sugar was like, um, no, it's always meant as an insult, though. It's not a term, term of endearment. It's oh, like, that is a- it's, it's like he might as well just be calling me dumbass. You know what I'm saying? Um, but that's. <laughs> but he made your phone. That- <laughs> so Funny. he said that. Marriage. And, and that became kind of like the, okay, that's where there's something. Just that term, Night Sugar, I felt mm. like was funny. Okay. Um, and he does that sometimes. Sometimes he'll say, um, he'll, he'll just say something out of the blue, and I'll go, oh, that's the, like, you know, like uh, d- that joke that I talked to do about H&M. Uh, that the only time I've set foot in that store is because briefly as I walked towards it, I thought it was a restaurant called Ham. Uh-huh. He, we were driving by an H&M. He was like, oh, it's a new restaurant open up called Ham. And I was like, oh, that's really funny. Can I use that? And he's like, absolutely. And now that's a really long bit. Like now that's like a three minute bit. So he said that one thing and I was like, okay, there, you know, that's a start. 
And I think that night, that was like the first time I did a set at um, ATL Comedy Club, RIP ATL Comedy Club. Oh, and, and uh, yeah, in Atlantic, no, Atlantic Station. Yeah. With so a we walked by that H&M or drove by that right. H&M. He said that, and then that was like, that was the first joke I did that night. It was, and I got a big laugh, and I was like, oh. Um, and he, and, you know, uh, n- not a ton, but like there's a good handful of his turns of phrases that are either like the reason the tag works so great or because um, that's what started the joke. The, yeah. you know, the first punchline is his. And then I kind of like tease it out to a bigger bit, you know, like, yeah, yeah absolutely. Cause that's what I remember with the, the sugar bit. And that's why it resonated with me so much because it is so personal and so revealing. And when I heard you do it recently, I was like, Whoa, you've like worked this out into mm. it's actually like a story now. Well, I connected like it and I connected it to a couple other jokes. So that's, so that's yeah. chunking, I guess. I never, I, I've heard that term more, um, like in between, like in side conversations with comics that you, mm-hmm. that you write, that you write, you, you ultimately start writing about the same premises over and over again. If you, and you can notice that occurring. So like relationships being fat for me, you know, like, uh, just, you know, the otherness of being gay, uh, you know, I, I talk about that quite a bit. Um, and those, uh, jokes all feel like they're separate, but when you start looking at what's the overriding premise of each one of my jokes, you, you have these categories you write about. And then once you know what, that you're doing that, then you can start chunking them together in this, like you can do like, okay, well, these three jokes all feel like they go well together. Well, you know what, actually, these three jokes are just one joke and these three long three minute bits are just actually three tags. So like if I rewrite, I could take, I, sometimes what I've done is I chunk something down uh-huh. to where it was five minutes of material to one, it's now it's one joke. You know what I'm saying? You just edit it down that yeah. much. And then, then maybe I'll go back and build it back up. Maybe then I'll go and, because what happens is, is like, if you don't, I, I personally do, I have no attachment to any of my jokes to the sense that like, some, you know, sometimes people will go, oh, your joke, that joke you wrote is so smart, so good, da, da, da. And I appreciate that, but I never think of them that way. I think of them as like, I only think of them in the terms of how they serve me now uh-huh. and how they'll serve me in the future. And if they serve, if I, if I get tired of telling a joke, it has to be rewritten or retired. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And if there's a joke that I really like or I feel like it works or it's like kind of like a perfect bit for me as far as like telling the audience who I am really quickly, um, I'll rewrite the joke. I'll keep, re- I'll you know, some people will be like, oh, write a new opener. And I'm like, well, why don't I just rewrite the opener I have? Which, you know, I, I use like the same three openers a lot. And each one of them I've rewritten dozens, at least a dozen times. And what do you mean by rewritten them? Like change the punchlines, shorten them up, change the setups, change the wording, added act outs or faces or body movements or pauses, or uh, maybe I change the entire way I do the delivery. Sometimes I do, sometimes I do my entire set sort of deadpan until I talk about being gay and then I turn it up. Huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like then I really inflect, then I really pronounce, then I really make faces. Um, because I'm doing like, I, maybe if I wasn't gay, I would be a d- straight deadpan Stephen Wright one-liner comedian. Cause that's in me. Like if you look at what I put, I was post on Facebook and Twitter. If I just did jokes like that, I would be a one-liner comedian. You don't think, but you think you being gay prevents you from? No, no, it just gives me access to being campy and flamboyant. And I contrast with it. Yeah, I was born very like, ah, you know, like that's who I am, you know, when I get excited is, (laughs) you see see me happy and excited and it's very clear I'm gay, right? (laughs) And when I wake up in the morning, I'm here where I am now kind of like in this register and calm and whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
Um, and that's a function of like when I was little, my parents were like when I would be really flamboyant or effeminate, they would like correct the behavior, huh? you know, like, you know. Yeah, they'd like stop yeah. you from moving your hands yeah, so yeah. much, like, right? Act right, act right. Can't you, why can't you act right? You know, and I'm just like, I'm doing it. I'm left handed or whatever, you know, well, I'm trying, you know. Um, the older I got, the more I understood what they meant. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't get, I didn't understand what they meant for a long time until I was like a, like a teenager. And then I was like, oh, I get it, you know. And did you act right? Did you start to, or are you always kind I mean, of resent? Have I ever acted right, do you think? <laughs> I don't know. Joel, can you, I don't know. how long have you known me? You tell me. I feel like I don't know in, you in any now. of my interactions, have I ever acted right in any capacity? No. Um, no, I was never a convincing heterosexual. Mm-hmm. My heterosexual facade had lots of flaws, as I like to say. <laughs> But even how you did that. Yeah. So like those, those gestures can almost contrast the monotones. You can probably find a way to. Yeah. yeah. But what I love to do is play with like going out and doing the joke with no extra, no, Mm. like I call it burger and bun. I do the joke burger and bun, you know, no fucking, no pickles, no onions, no fucking, oh, you want bacon? Fuck you. I'm just telling you the joke. And if the joke's funny like that burger and bun then i'll you know now add now the lettuce now the avocado now the, you know what i mean like yeah yeah how analytical are you and maybe how organized are you as well in the development of the material and then also the refinement and the reviewing of the sets like um, do you have a system in not, place i, I it, yeah sort of i guess i'm organized i'm analytical but disorganized i guess is the way i put it and that i don't have so what i do now is what i do now if that makes sense. So like the system I have now, what mm. I'm describing now is, is where I am with it now. Okay. And when I first started, I would <laughs> I'd write every joke on a you know, two p- piece of paper, 14 uh, point font, cause I'm blind and uh, 1.5 space and printed it out and would have that and review it every time I did a set. Um, and then I got to the point where I had to have a set list in front of me and I'd have to look at my phone for a set list. And then I'm sort of now where I am is like, I know my opener, I know my closer and I know, you know, 10 or 15 jokes that I'm kind of messing around with now and whatever comes to me, I, that's what I do. You know what I'm saying? And, um, and the, in terms of refinement, um, I record myself and I listen, um, cause I'm kind of ad libbing now much more like, so every joke I'm still doing it, not necessarily exactly the way I have it written, but as I recall it. And so sometimes the wording changes because I may, you know, for whatever reason, something, cha- something's different that night. And, um, a lot of those ad libs that get laugh gets that one off ad lib that gets a laugh is now now the new punchline or hmm. a new tag, and I'm mod- and I'm like act- so jokes that I know exactly how they are and they've been the same way for a year now are being rewritten uh, because I don't you know now everything needs to be rewritten. Like I feel like that you're you just con- you're constantly evolving as a writer and a person. Yeah, and um, so the joke you wrote the first day you did comedy is still funny. Um, because you could rewrite it in the voice that you have now mm. or in the space that you are in now. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. There's no joke that can't be, uh, well, I mean, maybe why well, I have one. I wrote a, <laughs> I wrote a big long bit about crab cakes that I don't think is funny now. <laughs> I really took a stand against crab cakes. Um, <laughs> they're everywhere, you know, like what's the deal with crab cakes? It's a very like Jerry Seinfeld-y what's the deal with crab cakes. Right, 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 right. For whatever reason, I thought that's what, I, you know. Oh, um, we got to try You got to yeah, try it. Let me fucking the crab cakes, these crab cake motherfuckers. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I was thinking, but uh, yeah, I tried that kind of stuff for a while where I was like, I'm not going to talk about being gay. I'm going to talk about whatever I want to talk about. And what I want to talk about is crab cakes. And I'm like, 
Why? Why are you doing that? You kind of almost got to get away from it to look at it from a different perspective. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Fresh eyes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I would say my process now is like, um, you do, I still write. Obviously, I write every day. Daily. Um, Daily. Even if it's for, you know, five minutes, I'm still doing like, at least like a free writing or uh, working with a joke or sometimes I'm researching, you know, like reading stuff that, you know, I have, there's a couple books I'm reading now where I'm trying to like kind of, I'm trying to figure out how to put an hour together. And Mm. so there's a couple books that I'm reading about like philosophy and psychology that I don't want to, I won't name or get into, but like, I feel like that, that, uh, is sort of going to help me get an idea of, okay, this is how I want to present this information. Oh, so I'm nice. trying to get an idea of like, how do you, how do you present it in an hour? Like a one, not necessarily, maybe even like in a, a one man show. show, maybe not, not necessarily to that degree. Uh-huh. I don't, I don't see myself though. I have seen like, um, uh, what's the same Mark Kendall. Is it Mark? Mark Kendall. Yeah. yeah so Mark, great. I mean like, yeah. He's been that, on here. And that's the thing. It's like, I don't, I'm not him. I'm, you know, there's nothing. I'm a, I'm a comic. I'm not doing the, I don't have those other skills yet. Um, and maybe that's, you know, what you do is you hone them by doing those kind of shows. But, yeah. uh, but I do love the idea of like, okay, well let me really figure out of all this material that I've done in six years. How do I, what is the genus? What is the order of it? What's the, structure of it is there one is there one you know um and so far i'm in the i'm in a state of inquiry and have no answers so (laughs) that's very insightful though and it's fun you know it's like you'll figure you figure it out kind of along the way and yeah do you schedule it you have you're spinning so many plates yeah do you how organized is your day to make sure you're nurturing each of these um uh fairly organized i well i mean like to the degree that I'm like, I'm a little bit of a disorganized person in the sense that like, um, I have everything scheduled, but I don't necessarily like, so some days I go, I say, Oh, I'm going to, you know, work on marketing my shows. And so sometimes that, you know, doesn't happen and and I have to get up a little early the next day to do it or whatever. So what I do is I do a lot of like to do lists with, uh, and pushing deadlines. So it's like, I've got all the responsibilities I have working with Marshall at humor wins. And I do a lot of stuff on the side with laughing skull. So I'm producing like side shows for them. Satellite shows. Um, uh, Really excited about the one we're going to be doing at the strand Earl strand theater in Marietta. Um, We have that for September 14th. It's a Friday night and we're going to do a best of Atlanta. Um, We're going to try to sell that theater out in the theater, the big room. Whoa, that's awesome. So we're going to bring laughing skull to Marietta and make it a big show and pick the best comics that we can pick. Yeah. You know, and the idea is, is that the brand is bigger than the club right now. So the club is an 80 seater and they're, you know, killing it in terms of like filling that room. And so when he uh, brought me on, I was supposed to be like focusing on satellite shows uh, like venues like Red Light Cafe, which we have, and and ones we've done in the past, like Eddie's Attic or or um, Hard Rock Cafe, and I started looking at bigger theaters because I was like, well, if we just did one theater and promoted it for three months, it's like the equivalent of doing like ten shows at like a smaller venue, and so Whoa. it's not necessarily like we're going to try to like just blow this up into some giant whatever, but we're going to test that theory and see if that works, and if that does work, then it's just bigger shows. Um, reaching bigger audiences um so better sets for comedians to do yeah more exposure for them which is marshall's really committed to that and i I don't know if everybody gets that about him is that he is really committed to to developing and creating opportunities to develop atlantic comics and that's i'm really committed to that oh yeah myself you know especially for new people like because i i felt like that the biggest gap for me when i first started was that you just felt like an outsider for such a long time 
and the scene isn't that way now. So in Atlanta, it's like, you know, you can be the funniest person or, or, or the newest person. And if you're cool and nice to people, people are going to be nice to you and talk to you, you know? And <laughs> I think there was a minute where when I first started, it was like, you could be nice and funny and people still wouldn't fucking talk to you. And it's like, well, what are we doing here? You know, like <laughs> we you know, still treat each other like human beings and shit. And, um, and I, that's what I think they talk about Atlanta being a good scene. Yeah. And it is, it's the, it's that, it's that like that we try to get along with each other, that we really are trying to be a friends and mm-hmm. not, you know, um, and then the other part of it is that the audience is so good, that there's so much audience, you know? A lot of comedy fans. Absolutely. And Absolutely. your shows are about nurturing a lot of local local comedians and so Absolutely. many different ways. Like you said, the the Cheeses show is about like giving new comics yep. a new opportunity. Is your you bought ATL to do? Yeah, like my you, husband and I, uh, Payne Broom and I, bought ATL to do earlier this uh, in, in December, it was, and it's yeah, taken it us recent. a few months to kind of like get it on the schedule to do everything that we needed to bring it back up. So we're basically rebooting it as as it was. And that's what you're trying to do that, in that sense yeah. is nurture local as yeah, well. Absolutely. And uh-huh. oh yeah, ATL to do is interesting in the sense that so I will point out that there are other event sites, um, what's happening in Atlanta, which is a newer one, which I really like. Um, and a couple other ones which I may not remember the name of and if you know you're here this and it's your site, I saw sorry. Um, but uh I don't view it as like ATL to do or or another site um, or in any competition because like I really feel like what's going on in Atlanta is is that there's people going hey it's really hard to figure out what to, to do in the city because mm. there's so much shit going on and so ATL to do was really created out of the spirit of let the people who are involved in the scenes be the ones curating the lists rather than some editor you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. or or maybe. Uh, the, what you see is curated lists on other sites. I don't know how they do it. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, creative loafing. If you were just going to look at the events and not at their curated list, their event listing is like huge. You know what I mean? It's like, too, it's almost too much information sometimes access Atlanta, you know, those other ones, it's the same thing where it's just, just like, you're almost inundated with the options. Right. And so with ATL to do what we're trying to do is we're trying to have people who are in the industry are in their segment, whatever they're covering, um, uh, and we're getting their curated list, what they think is the best thing to do. And then we're also doing listings of like things that are happening every week that are cheap or free. Um, and then um, my hope is that we'll be able to do more offers of like promo codes for some of these shows and free tickets for some of these shows. Cause I love the idea of giveaways. I think it's like, there are so many people in Atlanta who don't want to sit home and watch TV that are like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Which are, or probably don't even have TV. You know, I think about that yeah. you know, really, um, but th- that they want to get out and they want to do stuff and, and making that e- a easy for them to find B um, affordable uh, and see that it's something that, you know, they actually will enjoy and it's worth their time. And you know what I mean? So ATL to do, it's like sort of a labor of love and maybe we'll be able to make it uh, profitable but the way it'll work is it's like we have we have uh, contributors like Vos Sanchez, mm-hmm. who's a comedian, also does a pop-up ramen and works at Empire State South. He's doing our food section. Cool. Olivia's going to continue to do the, com- the comedy. Uh, Yoshi uh, is... Yoshi Sadiq. Yep. Yeah, he's, he's a great gonna guy. He's going to do the improv and sketch. So we're going to have that every week as an update. Uh, Chris Balls, who does Nerdy... Nerdlana. Yeah. He's doing things like his is called Nerdy South, which is like game nights and weird stuff that doesn't really fit in the other categories. Yeah. Um, and uh, AJ is the guy who was their music editor originally. And he does like a pretty comprehensive weekly music list. 
Um, and that's where we're starting. We're starting with those those markets and uh, those topics, and we're going to do weekly listings, and then I'm going to start doing daily listings. As the, as the weekly listings get posted, where I'm going to aggregate and basically pick the best of everything, and then we'll do a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Th- you know, basically, oh, that's, that's what awesome. he was originally doing was he was sending out a comprehensive email every day, and it's like, no, just here, we'll send you an email once a week. Go to the site, look at the site. Um, and then we'll we'll start doing those daily listings. But I just don't I, I don't like being in the I don't want to be in the business of emailing people every day. Yeah, I can get spammy I already get, too. Yeah, yeah. So if we do one a week, and then we're, we'll also do like special offers. So if if uh, like uh, I just had uh, somebody come to me um, and basically be like, hey, we want you to interview our person, and I was like, yeah, well, we're we're not really doing that. But if you give us some free tickets, we will do a giveaway. And that, that's how we'll promote your show you know, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I, I think that's what we're looking to do. It's like really keep it in the, in the context of you can go to that website on your phone, look very quickly and see what you want to do by day or by topic. You know? That's something, it seems like you referenced giveaways. Is It's one thing to get the event in front of someone online, but then to get them to take the action to actually attend the show what do you think is that missing connection? What is that driver that gets them out of the house? Um, I don't, uh, yeah, that I don't know. Like, so there's, there's, there's the people who are like, you know, Oh, I'm a huge fan of uh, whatever. And, and, and now that's coming to town. So like, you know, when, <laughs> when the bachelorette or bachelor people come to something, you know, like, or, you know, going to be at bar X people are like, oh, I'm going to go to that. Right. Cause I'm a super fan of that. And right. so because I'm a super fan, my Facebook's probably going to feed me that whatever. Right. And so the idea is that you got to figure out, okay, well, what is, what is my audience like other than the event that I'm promoting? Huh. Right. Okay. So if I'm, if I want my audience to be wine moms or soccer moms or whatever it is, then I need to like start targeting towards that. And that's what ATL, ATL to do isn't necessarily doing that, uh, in, in what it's curating. But what I'm doing, what I'm hoping is, is that the people that are reading the site listings are people who are like the people who are curating the list. So like if you're if you like Olivia's comedic sensibility, you're gonna like her recommendations. If you like mm-hmm. the taste of music that AJ likes, you're gonna like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's really what it comes down to, is making sure that the people who are are doing it are you know basically providing something that's of value and of interest to the readers. You know, um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's and that's the thing. It's like we're gonna figure that out along the way. I don't know if we can reach everybody. We have a they there's an email base of about. Uh, 2000 plus they have about that kind of like uh, he has somewhere around that on, on all of the plat- the social media platforms. Mm-hmm. But my idea is that, you know, rather than being everywhere, posting all this stuff on all of these different mediums, I'm really just going to drive people to that site um, and make sure that the listings are really easy to read. I mostly for the phone. Like I know people are looking on a laptop, but it's like, I think that's over. I think <laughs> it's moved even further. Yeah, just to I think mobile. so. And there's definitely other sites out there that are doing all this. Like, you know, I, I use Fresh Ticks and Fresh Ticks has their own, you know, like their own email blasting and listings and, and Eventbrite and all of them have something. There's a million of them. Gay, there's individual gay ones. Like there's ones called Gay Cities. And um, so there's a hundred places where you could find an event. My, my hope is that this site itself is a de- is a destination like if you live in the huh. city you're at least tr- looking through that once a week just to see if there's anything worth value to you um what i'm really hoping is is that people go through and look through that and go oh that looks really really cool and then they're forwarding whatever that event is to their friend and maybe not our site but they're like that's what's really happening it's like what i, I don't know how like i <laughs> 
when I when I wasn't a comedian and I had a real group of friends. <laughs> <laughs> There was always somebody in the group who was figuring out what we were going to do. Right. Right. And, I, and they weren't like, that wasn't an assigned thing. It was just sort of who they were. Um, and that person is the person I hope is reading ATL to do, to be quite honest. I don't know what to call that person. Maybe they're the, maybe they're the influencer, which I hate that fucking word so much. But, but you see what I'm saying? There's always somebody in the group and maybe more than one person in your group of friends. That is the person who's like, Oh, this weekend, this thing's going on. Right. That they're, they're about that. And they want, you know, to be the, the one they, the thing they contribute is the idea, I guess, or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, and, it, and if, if that person's reading it, then I've done my, I don't know how to reach that person specifically, but then I've done my job because that person, it's like, um, uh, Joe Pettis pointed out something years ago to me about audiences is that most of the audiences are women. Um, not, not like overwhelmingly, but if you look at like the split, it's almost always like a 60, 40, it's never 50, 50. And if it is 50, 50, it's always still slightly more women. And it's because women make the decision of where, like everyone thinks that the man says, we're going here tonight. Not unless the lady wants to go there. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're not dragging some woman to comedy. Maybe you are once, but like if regularly comedy is something you do, that. she's decided that, you know, there's something I want to do. So it's like, if you can convince the women to come, then the men are going to show up. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I never, that was something that never occurred to me. You know, it was like, I thought you had to market to everybody, you know, or whatever. And not that I don't, I still market to everyone, but it's like, yeah, I really make sure that the way I market and, and not just how I market, but that the shows then are enjoyable to, you know, like I'm not booking. They want to come back. Yeah, absolutely. You want to make sure people want to yeah. come back. I want to book comics that are not going to be offensive or whatever, you know? Right. Um, and, uh, and sometimes I, you know, the, I'll book somebody who has a couple jokes that I'm like, mm, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> but usually what happens is that the audience will be like, if they do that joke and it's not, you know what they want, they're going to react that way. You know? It's yeah. Like, I let that be the barometer more so than anything else. But, but yeah, yeah. It's like, if you really start thinking about who the audience is and the psychology of, of if the audience has its own personality, then how do you court that, treat that, take care of that, you know, cultivate it, make them happy. You know what I mean? That's amazing. Thinking of it as you seem like you really reverse engineer from here's my target. It is this person at this age that has this interest other than what I'm trying to pitch them. And then work backwards. To a degree. That. Absolutely. Or, yeah. and really that came from seeing who was in the audience. So like the people that were showing up, oh. if I want to, if the people who were showing up that were enjoying it the most are this person, you know, the, you know, this age range or whatever it is, then that's who I need to target towards. But I also leave it open enough where like, I, like some people are like, Hey, we only want people through 35. Well, I'm 45. So that, what the hell am I doing? Am I going to do that? Am I going to have a show where I'm the, you know, like, no, I'm going to market it to everybody. Um, I do find though, that sometimes when I do market it and, and open it wide, that I do have people come who are like older in even older than me. And then they skew much more conservative and then they don't. And it's like, well, I can't help like, right. cause nobody's getting up and being like, if they're doing a joke about Trump, it still has a point of view and a setup and a punchline. I, I don't book people who just get up and you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like there's still, and so like what I found recently is that these, the, the, the right has no, Talk, like the setup offends them so they're not you know you're gonna hate the punchline the, the fact you got them out though oh yeah absolutely. that's a big but success I feel bad just to get them in the like, room like oh like when yeah. somebody shows up who's older than me i'm like should i tell them i'm like no i never do <laughs> and occasionally like, like we had i can't remember when it was we had a date night where some 
did they leave because of the content? No, never mind. They left because there wasn't a seat for them. And they, we let them in under the, because it was full and it was like a standing room only thing. And then I think they, no, 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 we got this woman a seat. And then they left because they were offended by the Trump uh, stuff. That's what okay. it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it happens. And, 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 nothing, totally. and nothing that was said about Trump was truly that remarkably awful. You know what I'm saying? And, and like objectively, I can listen to those jokes and not be like, yeah, I'm, I'm listening to a joke like that for the punchline. You know what I'm saying? Of course. Because if you're going to talk about it, God, for fuck's sake, please have a, you know, <laughs> fuck him is not enough of a, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. I've, I mean, I had, a, I had a lady walk out of one of my shows for being racist against white people. Like it's, you're not going to, you're not going to there make everybody happy. There was just a story on the, on, about something happened at Kennesaw State where they had posted for like an intern, but it was, and it was for some multicultural something, something, something. <laughs> right. And so they were opening it up to like people of color, like preferred to have someone who's a person of color or LGBTQIA because of the nature of the content of what they were. And some uh, white guy oh my uh, was like uh, offended that straight white males were excluded. Um, and then wow. the way he was dressed was like, he looked like Isaac from Children of the Corn. <laughs> It's like, why do you have to have that look too? Like one thing to be object, but then another thing to be like, looking like you're going to come out of the cornrows going, he who walks behind the rose is coming for you. Malachi. That was so specific. I don't know. He had, he was rocking a look that I was not prepared to. He looked like an Amish Rumspringer kind of kid. You know what I mean? Oh boy. But was like, what about the white people? Yeah. We, we, we had a run. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you doing this, man. That was super informative. Wow. Was that 45 minutes? That that ended up being longer. I'm sorry, oh, man. I hope shit. I didn't bind your schedule. No, you're but fun. you were just dropping so many gems. I didn't want to want to stop. But uh, we can we can wrap this up. But before we do, is there anything else you want the world to know? Um, uh, go to atltodo.com for weekly listings of uh, great events and sign up for the emails for free stuff and come see me do comedy anywhere and go check out Joel and hey. and I'm gonna book Joel on some shows. I promise. Hey. Nah, it's fine. Just keep, will you cut at the part before I shake my head. Now? Is that cool? okay. Yeah, we'll do that. Okay, it's okay. fine. No, no. Thank you. Ian yeah, Aver, thank you. thanks, man. Thanks. That was awesome. Yay! Hot breath. Holy hot breath! I hope you enjoyed that one, hot brethren and sistren. My personal favorite part is probably. Just the in-depth discussion on show production and actually show promotion as well. That is certainly a bunch of insight I'm going to start applying to my show every Wednesday at Java Monkey, Indicator, Georgia. 8 p.m. free show. Come on down. Or maybe I'll do a Facebook ad. I don't know. But I would love to know what you found most useful. I know a lot of you out there are comedy fans and even more of you out there are even comedy connoisseurs, if you will, and some of you may be performing comedy. So I know it's all about learning here, so I'd love to know what you learned from this. You know, uh, social media is all at Hot Breath Pod and at Joel Byers Comedy. You can also keep in touch with me on my website, joelbyerscomedy.com, where there's a link to the comedy writing book I wrote with Dr. Robert Joseph called The Comics Playbook. My schedule is also on there if you want to come see me live, perhaps Wednesday at Java Monkey in Decatur, Georgia at 8 p.m. That's that's as good as a Facebook ad, right? I don't know. I'm definitely going to toil around with that a little bit. But anyway, it's a working, it's a working title. 
but I also teach a comedy class as well. If you're interested, that's also linked on my website. I teach it over at High Wire Comedy where we do sketch and improv as well. But really, it's all about the hot breath of verse and just learning from each other and coming together. So however I can help do that, I would love, love, love your feedback, however you want to do that, whether through social media, whether through a quick iTunes review, that really does help us get more exposure in the already cluttered. There are over half a million podcasts on iTunes. So you leaving an iTunes review really is a vote to help us climb the ladder to eventually the top, right? Right? Right. So let's go ahead and... uh, Let's do the thing. I appreciate your time every single time. I appreciate the time. Of course, my engineer, Amon Garner, he keeps these sounding crystal clear. If you have any audio needs, that's your boy. He also does some uh, live music at local comedy shows here, so he's out and about. Definitely, if you see him, be like, yo, I heard you're a hot breath guy. And, uh, of course, my wife, Erin Byers, Thank you, dear, for listening all the way through to the outro. Most people don't, but I know you do, just to hear your name shouted out. And also, shout out our podcast, Buyer's Life, that's on iTunes and Spotify and all that jazz as well. If you want to get a new perspective on me and the more homely Joel with his wife and dog Guinness, that's it. That's Buyer's Life on uh, all social media as well, buyers.life. But... We're all living in the real world as well. You have other things to do, but I appreciate you making me a part of that. You know these are released every single Monday, so until next Monday, right here on Hot Breath.